Turn in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 26, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to stick right here in this passage today. I was going to also deal with Deuteronomy, but um, I'm, I'm going to pretty much go verse by verse, verses 1 through 13 in the study. I'll be reading from the NIV. The, the words on the screen may be a little bit different, but Leviticus chapter 26. And Rondell, you might just want to do, yeah, there you go, and just go down as we get there so they can see. And it reads, Do not make idols or set up an image or a sacred stone for yourselves. And do not place a carved stone in your hand to bow down before it. I am the Lord your God. Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops, and the trees of the field their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until planting. And you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. I will grant peace in the land. Hmm. And you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. I will remove savage beasts from the land and the sword will not pass through your country. You will pursue your enemies and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. I will look on you with favor. And make you fruitful and increase your numbers. And I will keep my covenant with you. Verse 10. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. I will put my dwelling place among you and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. We thank you today for your word. Pray that God, it will minister to us. Pray that you will bless me as I proclaim the word of God. Pray that you give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. The title for this message is Blessings Are Not Caught, They Follow Obedience. Blessings are not caught, they follow obedience. Today many people say they will follow God if he does what they want him to do. It is clearly unfortunate that we are, it is clearly Unfortunate that we are creatures, that we as creatures often think that God is required to bargain with us. God has no obligation to bargain with us. God's blessings have never been separated from obedience to his word from the beginning of time, and they are not separated today. So many people view possessions only as blessings, what they actually have. But many would be hard-pressed to believe that some people's possessions are really blessings if we were to pull back the curtain 
and see the curses and plagues that surround and invade their inner dwellings of their life. We look and see the outside, but the outside does not always give a true picture of the inside details of one's life. Once the door closes to the disobedient, the glitter and glamour quickly turns to stones and dirt. The fake smiles of happiness to the public quickly turns to frowns and anger behind those closed doors. You can possess material things and yet have the peace of contentment escape your grasp. I'm going to read that again. You can possess material things and yet have the peace of contentment escape your grasp. You can have stuff and yet fail to see that stuff has you. It was God who created and gave the criteria of how blessings actually flowed and how they flow. They flow from God and never apart from God because they are expressly connected to him. We're dealing with one point today, and that is get the connection and priority straight first. Get the connection and priority straight first. Never are possessions placed before God. Never do we line up stuff ahead of God right in the very first verse of chapter 26. God gives the details of how the order is to be arranged. We must always have the vertical relationship intact. You see, oftentimes a person is often running after the superficial, the material. And, and, and then they will want to come back to church when they feel that their blessings are leaving them. It is the world who always first runs after stuff. And many only come to God when their stuff has been lost or has not brought them the satisfaction that they thought their stuff would bring. I don't know how long it will take us to get that stuff cannot satisfy. Stuff can never bring you contentment. When the Lord gave the instructions in this verse, he was telling them, here's the way that you can be blessed. And it first starts with me, God. When God says the very in the first verse to his people not to make idols or to set up carved images, it was saying that the focus is never to be taken off of God. Even when we look at the first commandment in Exodus chapter 20, God began to set the conditions that he was the one that was first to be honored and was to have no other gods before him. No images were to be created in his place. And so in chapter 26, verse 1, he again begins with that premise. You are not to make idols, nor are you to set up images when you enter that land. It is also important to see right in the first verse that even before they get to the land of their possessions, it is clearly stated that no idol can be set up in the land. Do you not know one of the downfalls of the Israelites was that they were constantly 
running after idols and setting them up in the land, setting them up in what was called the high places. One of the first kings after the, after the nation of Israel split into two, the northern and southern kingdom. It was that northern kingdom under, under Jeroboam that sought to keep the people to himself, and he set up high places in order that the people would not go to the temple because he thought, if they go back to the temple, I'm going to lose them. So the Bible says that he set up two high places and shrines so that the people wouldn't have to go. And you know what? These people began to worship them. Worship these idols. The very thing that God said you are not to do. Why? Because this was the custom of the nations in the land. This is what they were doing. You want to bring God's wrath upon you quick? Go ahead and start worshiping false gods. Go ahead and set up for yourself some idols. Go ahead and set up some things that you consider more important than God. And then you began to look at what God begins to do. How his hand begins to be withdrawn from your life. Idols can never take the place of God. Verse number two. If you don't observe the day that God has set aside for rest and the assembling together, you will soon find yourself setting up an image and bowing down because we were made to worship. If you're not careful, you're going to set something up and you're going to bow down to it. Now, I know that many people on Sunday mornings bow down to sleep. The beds never felt so comfortable on Sunday morning. That bed just seems to call your name. Sleep, 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 Marcus, sleep. Deep sleep. No need to get up and go before the people. Just take your rest and sleep. Don't even need to get up and go downstairs. Just go ahead and relax and sleep. Don't no need to go to the bathroom. Get, just sleep. I know some of y'all want to sleep so good. I don't want to go to the bathroom. The sleep is so good. Sunday morning. I was one of those kids where... I had I, I love to sleep in. Saturday, my friend, how can you sleep in the twelve o'clock noon on a on a Saturday? Cause I like to sleep. But man, when we had a field trip at school, I'm up bright and early. <laughs> sleep. I. You know what? When I would wake up, I'm wide awake. It ain't no <gasps> wiping. I I'm I'm up. I'm ready to go. Eyes wide open. But today we've got people. That have now created the idol of sleep and won't get up on a Sunday morning. People have made idols of their cars. That's, that's the day that they go to wash their cars. And not only wash it, but they wax it. Ah, got to have it looking good for the week when I go to work. And they'll brag, I spent three hours. Cleaning my car today. Cleaning the inside and the outside. Don't let no bird fly over their car. (laughs) 
We can remember not long ago that Sundays where businesses were closed. You go down the street and the business were closed and those people were at church. Even if they didn't know the Lord, they closed their business. It was common to find them closed. Now, when the Lord says that you are to observe my Sabbath, it was Saturday at the time that was observed. God had created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, the Lord said that he rested. And Sabbath simply means there, it means rest. That's what the day means, rest, rest, rest. And the Lord hallowed that day, sanctified it, and said, you are not to do any work on that day when he was bringing his children up, out, because he wanted them to be devoted to him. And the Lord often used that day as a day of assembly for his children. So Saturday was that day in the Old Testament where we looked to, and even in the New Testament. Why now do we worship on Sunday? We worship on Sunday because our Savior rose from the dead. And it was then changed for many of the Christians began to honor and to recognize what God did through Christ being raised from the dead, that they were honoring and celebrating that day. And if God had a problem with it, he would have told Paul and Peter and John, he would let them know, no, no, no. But they didn't have a problem. They began to worship on the first day of the week. And so we observe this day as our day of rest, our Sabbath. And today many people find it too difficult. Seven days a week. Can't give God no hour, two hours. Got things to do. That's my only day. But oh, to end up in the hospital. We began to make promises to God. Lord, if you only get me out of here, I'll serve you. All the days of my life. From the TV show, the soap opera. Ain't there a soap opera called The Days of Our Lives? Is that, is that, was there one called that? Days of Our Lives? They didn't need to make no soap opera. Then they just come to the church and pick anybody that you had a problem. They, days of Our Lives. <laughs> what is it about us that God is not primary but secondary? Right in verse 1, God established the conditions. No idols. But what have we done? We've broken the very first commandment that God said. And have placed idols in our lives ahead of him. And then the Lord says something also very interesting. He says, I want you to also have reverence for my sanctuary. I've been getting a brand new understanding of the importance of the sanctuary. And we've been looking at Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. We've been, been taking a study in this. I've been having a wonderful appreciation what God's temple was all about. Things I never saw before and how it had to be constructed. The reverence that God commanded. So when the Lord put the tabernacle, told Moses how to build it. How to construct it in the tabernacle. 
not only in the setting up of the tabernacle, but even how it had to be arranged, the articles in the tabernacle, even as, as, they, as they had to be removed, that the Levites were responsible and Aaron was responsible and his sons for overseeing it and how it had to be broken down and then carried by the Levites. How the Lord, when he would show up on the scene and call Moses, how the people, if they weren't at their at the temple entrance, they were at their doors facing the temple whenever God showed up. Have reverence for my sanctuary. Today there is irreverence for God's sanctuary. So the first thing that we see, there's images and idols that's been set up in place of God. And then secondly, there has been a decline in acknowledging the holiness of God's sanctuary. You see, it, the pattern follows that when we are not holy and we don't follow God in, the, in, in worshiping him, we're not going to worship his place. We're not going to honor the place of his worship where it's supposed to be. That's why people be gone from church for two years and think nothing about it. That's when people, why people can leave and say, God ain't blessing me. I'm out of here. Not realizing that, are, that the blessings of God are not caught. They come from a life of obedience. Reverence for my sanctuary. Can't reverence God's sanctuary and not be there. It is actually showing irreverence. So many people saying, they are members of a church and only show up at funerals. When the God says that the dead bury the dead, it was an important word that I understand and see now. We can make excuses about everything. God is the God of the living. It's fine to go to funerals. It's fine because we often that we've all have lost somebody. Dear and precious. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, never to change. We serve a living God. We serve an almighty God. Idols are not living. And we set up a lot of things in God's place. But God says in order to be blessed, here are the conditions by which one must live by and function by in order to experience what comes and flows out of me. You cannot be blessed apart from obedience. Blessings are not separated from God. Many people are talking about, look how God is blessing me. And don't know him. Fortunately, it may not be the Lord that's blessing you. But it may be someone else blessing you and keeping you in a position that you are doing just okay right where you are. You see, the blessings of God causes us to worship Him and say, look what God has done. i got to get to the house of the Lord because He's blessed me. Take God's blessings. And there does He see us again. Got my blessing. I'm going on this trip and I should never return. <laughs> going on the trip because God has blessed me. 
I like traveling. I like traveling from Rona Park to Marin City. Marin City to Sausalito. Sausalito to San Francisco. I'm just kidding with y'all. I like traveling. I like going to Monterey. But that ain't traveling, Pastor. Traveling, you get on a plane and go somewhere. I, well, I don't. I, I like to travel, but I don't like planes. I'll get on a plane. But you know what? When I travel, I give God some honesty. Lord, thank you that you allow me to go on this trip. And you know what? Sometimes I might even do when I go on a trip. I want to go see how somebody else worship. I'll go to. I'll sometimes go find a service. Go find a church service. I know some of us who go on vacation. Boy, it's a vacation from everything, God, and everybody else. <laughs> the tabernacle. It was, in, it was in the wilderness, as we said, that the Lord, the, after, the, after the Israelites came to the place of where God had told them to build my tabernacle, gave the instructions to Moses. The tabernacle, the tabernacle. What's significant and important? Well, we said God set the criteria for its construction, so it's got to be important. He set the, con- the conditions of how it was to be constructed. Number two, God was going to be present among them. You see, the tabernacle represents God's presence. The, the name and word tabernacle means to dwell. When we say, Lord, tabernacle with us, we are, so we're saying, in essence, God, dwell among us. Dwell with us. Number three, care had to be taken when it was taken down and had to be moved and set back up. They had to be careful, as I said, when they moved that tabernacle. Four, it was a place of worship, and it was a major part of their life. You cannot be a Christian and not attend church. Now, let me say this again. A Christian, if they can get to church, not saying that you can't get there because of some ailment, but you can get there. You see, it's a Christian who loves God so much and knowing that that's the fellowship of the believers. And God said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. It is important that we understand that God's presence was with the people in the, ta- in the tabernacle. And so when we gather together, it is corporately coming together to be in the very presence of God. So when people say, I can worship God at home. Yeah, but you can't worship God faithfully at home when you can be in church. Doesn't mean a person can't go places, but what it does mean that we understand when the Lord says, have reverence for my sanctuary. Because that's where God dwelt. Where was the ark put? It was in the tabernacle. It was in the temple behind the curtain of the Holy of Holies. Only once a year during the Day of Atonement. Seventh month, tenth day of the month, could that priest, the high priest, go in there to make atonement for the people and never without blood. Bible was clear. 
clear God's presence. Whenever God called Moses, it was to the temple or to the mountain. Once God stopped calling Moses to the mountain, guess what? It was to the tabernacle. Moses, come to the tabernacle and bring Aaron with you. Moses, come to the tabernacle and tell Korah and his followers to come and appear before me. To the tabernacle. Why? Because that was the place of worship. Verses 3 through 5. Lord, my time is running. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season. And the ground will yield its crops and the trees of the field their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest. The grape harvest will continue until planting. And you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. After the Lord sets up the proper focus his people are to have, he then begins the list of what will follow if they are obedient. It is unfortunate that when people run into difficulty, they want quick deliverance, but they don't want a relationship with God. You know what we want? We want deliverance from the trouble, but not a relationship. What is God seeking? He's seeking a relationship with his people. It was a relationship with God that he was letting his people know that allows the blessings to flow. Do you not know that because I was connected to my dad and my mom, that I could go to them and they would supply my needs? I say, I need this. And it was because I was connected. It was the relationship. Many of us want things from God and there's no relationship. And it's asking how come God is not answering prayer? How come God is not meeting my needs? How come this and that? How come I'm praying for this? We seek things but not the relationship. It is the relationships. The relationship that brings about the blessings of God. God sees my child coming. Yeah, what you want? What you want? What can I do for you? And they got some people coming. God said, who is, who's that? Jesus, I don't know. I heard some noise, but I don't know who, I don't know who that is. You hear something? I hear something. Gabriel, yeah. Why? No relationship. And what happens is when we don't get what we want in a certain amount of time, we will tend to say that God is not hearing me. God is answering. He's saying, no, I don't know you. Or wait, I've got to take you through, take you through some stuff first. You, not, you haven't got over yourself yet. I'm dealing with something in your life, and the, and the circumstances and situations are not quite yet ideal. You've got to go through some stuff first. And those that are children of God begin to understand that God, that the person that has a relationship with God, will be taken through some things. And when they come out on the other side, God has the blessings right there waiting for them. 
But it's through the obedience of God's word. Never separate. The first blessing that God says, I'm going to send is rain. Today, I don't care what people say. Back in the Old Testament, God says obedience will affect the atmosphere. I'll call it to rain at the right time. You see, if rain comes at the wrong time, it may cause your crops to mildew. Listen to me. You get your rain too soon and you ain't ready for it, you start smelling. Can't even enjoy it. Came at the wrong time. Wasn't time for the rain yet. God says, I'll send it in the season that is supposed to come. Send the rain. Think one of the problems that America has today in California, I think it's because of a, a problem that we have with sin, may be the reason why we're not getting some rain. Not in everything, but in some things, absolutely. God said, you obey me, I'll send the rain. Now, now get this. Your obedience affects the elements, causes God to send the rain and the sunshine. And it is God that gives the increase, makes it grow, and it is only because you are obedient you can't make a plant grow. You can stick it in the ground, yes. Water it, feed it. You're not making it grow. The Lord does that. You put it there. You put it in the right conditions. That's your part. You see, that's how faith works. It takes the seed that God has given. And it puts it in the soil so that it will be productive. And it allows God to do the work and create the atmosphere that will allow it to grow. Some of you all, I understand it and know it. Some of us, what we'll do, I don't see it growing. We go dig it up. I'm going to plant it again in a different pot in different soil. Two days later, I don't see it. Dig it up again. Get some more dirt, different manure. Put it in that. Cover it back up. Three days later, it ain't sprouting. I'm picking it up out of here. I ain't planting no more. God ain't answering my prayer. The conditions, the conditions have to be set. Your faith plants that seed and it does what? It waits until the time for God to create the, the atmosphere and the elements and the different things that allows that to grow. I get my wife all the time. I don't know how many plants she buys. Lord have mercy. <laughs> plants outside in the back. Got to walk like this. Because I'm going to trip over a plant pot. Tell them, I, baby, I got I to gotta do some barbecue in the day. I'll create a space for you. I'll... <laughs> How much other table do you need? This amount right here will do. Now I need it for both grills. Need this space, need that space. And lo and behold, I still will trip over a pot on the way out the door. 
before the night's over. <laughs> backyard, front yard, in the house. I was wondering one day, I'm about to get done. I'm going to have to come back to this. But I'm just taking a quick detour. I'm in the house one day up in the room and worshiping God and just doing my devotion. And I'm just sneezing and my alley's just kicking. Thinking, we got a lot of dust in this house. I happened to come out the room and felt pretty good. Went back in the room. Have, I said, looked around, plants everywhere. I always see plants. We got to get these plants out this room. Can I have one room with no plants? <laughs> the rain. I'm going to send the rain. I'm going to send the rain. It is the rain of God that allows growth to take place. It is the sunshine of God that allows for the plants to get what they need. It is being connected to the source in order for growth to happen. If you want to be blessed by God, then you need to be obedient to what God says. Stop telling me, please, I'm just too busy. I can imagine the Israelites telling God, we're just too busy to go to Canaan, to the land of blessings. I think I'm more busy than anybody. And, I'm, and yet, I'm not. Busy. But yet... No. I think we have to always remember that we are always too busy if God doesn't have priority in our lives. Some idol has got to be cut out if God doesn't have first place. You know, there's a pun in there. Some idol has to be cut out. We're not to have any idols. If anything is in the place of God, I'm not talking about people that have to time work on time when we're at church. I'm not. I, I, that's not what I'm. Yeah, that happens. I mean, when we can be, and we won't. When we look to God and say, "God bless me," but I don't want to obey you. Remember this, in conclusion. For today, God's blessings are never separated from Him. God's blessings are never separated from Him. The blessings of God flow from God. And it is a heart that is grateful to Him that says, Lord, Thank you for what you've given and having the proper attitude and understanding about it. When I get to heaven, I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus. And whatever God has prepared, I can't even imagine all that God has prepared. But you know what? 
I'm going to thank him throughout all eternity. (laughs) And I guess I might as well just go ahead and, and figure right now that if he's given me eyes to see, and I can appreciate this morning, when I couldn't see as well and needed to close my eye, I could, Lord, thank you for my eyesight. I might as well start blessing him now saying, Lord, thank you for being able to walk. And thank you for being able to hear. Thank you, Lord, for blessing. Thank you for food. Thank you for transportation to be able to get to the house of God. Thank you, Lord, that I can get to the house of the Lord to pray and lift my hands and voice in adoration and praise. I might as well start now because in eternity I'm going to be doing it there. Forever. So the practice should start now. We love you today, Lord, and we thank you. We honor you for your goodness and your blessings that are intricately tied to you. We thank you right now that you gave the instructions that that they were to have no other gods before them, no images in the land, nothing, Lord, that would separate them from you. They were to observe your Sabbaths. They were to have reverence for your temple. And God said, now look what I'll do if you keep me first. Lord, that's what we want to do in this place. We want you to be first in our lives. We want to, Lord, know. That we're not seeking the blessings, we're seeking the blessing giver. We're seeking God himself. We're seeking you because, God, when we have you, everything is connected. Oh, my God, there's peace, there's joy, and we can enjoy the benefits of what you've done and are doing. We love you today. We give you glory, and we give you honor. In the glorious and matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Amen.